Welcome to another exciting episode of The Tax Efficient Investor. Listen in as host Michael Johnston demystifies tax-efficient tactics to help you grow your wealth. We break down complex tax strategies and make them simple to understand and easy to implement. From HSAs to IRAs, 1031s, trusts, and more, we cover it all here on The Tax Efficient Investor. Welcome to the show. I'm Michael Johnston. Joining me today is Amy Sandlin. Amy is the leader of the National Tax Office at Blue CPAs and Advisors. She directs their position on technical tax matters. Amy, thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. I'm very excited to be here today. Yeah, I'm excited too because we're tackling something that's a little bit tough. We're going to go for some extra credit today. Uh, Nothing simple and, and straightforward about the topic today. Lots of wrinkles, lots of nuances, and we're talking, of course, about uh, the, the salt cap. Um, so let's kind of start out, I guess, Amy, with a, a history lesson. The, the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act passed uh, back in, in 2017 during the Trump administration. Did a lot of things, lowered some tax rates, introduced the Opportunity Zone incentive, um, a whole bunch of a whole bunch of things. One of them was it changed how state and local taxes can be deducted. So. Can you give us uh, elaborate on that history lesson, kind of what was the, the situation before and then after the TCJA? So one of the main things in terms of individual changes for because of the because of TCJA was the increased standard deduction. Um, that was a huge win. The idea was to make taxes simplified for the most common um, individual taxpayer. Huge yeah. deduction. Um, but the, the trade-off for that was one item, uh, limitations on itemized deductions. So the big one that made the news that everyone has a lot of feelings about is um, the 10,000 limitation on the deduction for state and local taxes. And this applied to individuals who itemize their deductions. Um, TCJA said you can no longer deduct more than $10,000 of those. So you may still be paying the same amount of tax at the state and local level, but you're no longer going to be able to deduct it. So this was a huge cost for commonly higher income taxpayers, um, taxpayers in states with higher income tax rates. And just because of the cost of living, your cost of living states, higher cost of living states, you're more likely to get into that $10,000 bucket. So as with any tax change, we have winners and losers. Of course, the losers there, all of a sudden, everyone's very motivated to find a worker. Um, sure. So commonly referred to as a salt cap worker. Yeah. Um, this yeah. Is not- Go ahead. Yeah, that, that's a, a good a good history lesson. Um, just to kind of dive into a couple points you made. There's some really good points. Most folks itemize. I think now the last data I was looking at data from I think around 2020, it was about 90% of folks, excuse me, most folks do not itemize. They take the standard deduction, um, which for uh, a married couple, I think is is now um high 20,000, 27, 28,000. You probably know off the top of your head, but um it, it's somewhere around there. So the idea being you raise that that standard deduction. Most people say I'm not even gonna bother itemizing, I'm just gonna take the standard deduction. Makes my taxes simpler. I get a, a, a bigger standard deduction, but um, there are still folks out there who, even with that that elevated standard deduction for a married couple, um, you know, in the neighborhood of twenty seven thousand dollars, they could still get um, could still get itemized deductions to get north of that and make it worthwhile to itemize. So I think just to put some, you know, to, to quantify this to make sure I'm understanding this correctly. I mean, let's say you're in you're making a million dollars a year, 
and you're in a state with a, a high a high income tax rate. I'm in, I'm in the state of Oregon. We have a fairly high income tax rate, not as bad as California, but I think we top out at at 9%. Let's say you're in a state with, you're making a million dollars in a state with a, a 10% state income tax. It's $100,000 in, in state taxes, um, but you're now not able to deduct that full, you're not able to itemize that full amount. Is that right? Yep. Yeah. So if you're only able to cap that at ten thousand dollars, I mean that's that's significant, right? If being able to deduct a hundred thousand going to, to ten thousand, am I am I thinking about that right? How it's impacting people who kind of you listed those criteria: high cost of living area, high earners, high tax state. Um, it's it's significant, right? Yeah. So if we were to take your example of a million in income at a ten percent state tax rate, without this salt cap workaround. You get your $10,000 itemized deduction, and that's going to be running the math, running the federal tax math. You're going to pay about $366,000 in federal tax. If instead you get kind of an unlimited deduction for your state and local taxes, and let's say you're at the highest tax, um, tax rate, for federal purposes, you're looking at like $330,000. So that difference can be $37,000, which is a huge deal because at the end of the day, you're still paying the same state tax rate. You still have effectively the same amount of income, but yeah. because of this deduction that's not limited, it can be huge savings. Yeah, yeah that's that's great. Thanks for, for quantifying that a, a level further. So I mentioned at the top, this is a little complicated, some nuance and some wrinkles. Part of that is because you know this was enacted at the, the federal level, but it relates to state and local taxes. So you know it's always I always find myself, um, Amy, kind of glossing over state taxes, not because they're not important, but because the states. And when you got in Puerto Rico and in some of the other territories, it's just not practical to talk about it. So I find myself saying a lot. I'm just going to ignore the impact of state taxes for now. Um, again, not because it's not important; it can make a huge difference. But there's there's so much so much nuance here, but. Uh, in this case, um, th there was a, a change made at the federal level. So how have states responded? So I'm glad you said I've historically ignored the state because that was actually fairly sound advice because what was good for federal was good for state and it just sort of worked out nicely. Yeah. Um, but what the states did in response to this federal change was get crafty because it's, it's their state tax that you're losing the benefit of. And so it, they were incentivized at sort of a jurisdictional level to make their residents, their businesses, their taxpayers um, whole as a result of this change. So state level motivation to sort of offset this, this pain point. Um, and so as with many things we are seeing in recent years, they decided to go their own direction and to say, you know what, federal government, you do you. Uh, we're going to do what we can do to make things better and make our state better for our taxpayers. Um, make us more competitive. So they started coming up with crafty ways of um, getting around this this ten thousand dollar limit. First one was you pay into like a state charity and you get a tax credit. IRS very quickly said mm, no. Um, but what ultimately ended up being working and what we're talking about is this idea of you're just going to take your pass through entities and they are going to pay tax to the state and it's going to be a business expense. And so you're going to be able to deduct it like any other state tax um, at an entity level, not subject to this $10,000 limit. Um, and all of a sudden you get around. So that is what a state, a few states did in 
shortly after TCJA passed. And then finally, late 2020, IRS said, that's a go. We're okay in certain circumstances. If your state does it, we're going to let it fly. It's not subject to the $10,000 limit. So states kind of go off, off to the races on that. Um, they start going their own direction on rules, just like many other things we're seeing in the tax world. Yeah, uh, good good history lesson there. I didn't I actually didn't realize that the, the first attempt was the kind of the state charity. Now, American ingenuity is always at its, at its greatest and, and on display uh, at its very best. And we're trying to figure out workarounds for, for taxes, right? Um, so they they shot down shot down the first one, but um, it went back to the drawing board and, and came up with another example here. Um, so so let's let's dive into the weeds here a little bit um, as much as possible because as I've mentioned a couple times here, there's a lot of different states. They all have their own flavor, their own twists and, and wrinkles on this. Nothing's quite the same. So we're going to talk a little bit in, in general terms here. But you mentioned that what what several states have settled on is some version of. Um, the pass-through entity, a pass-through entity level tax, essentially making the the taxes, um, the, the entity um, paying taxes. So, you know, let's let's talk through here um, and get into the weeds of of kind of a hypothetical, broad strokes example of of what the states have allowed pass-through entities to do here, and how that trans, how that how that is a workaround. So, maybe to back up in case yeah. the, the lingo is not. You're not really nimble in that. What does that mean? So if you are a pass-through, typically the entity itself is not subject to tax. It instead passes out um, income loss, deductions, credits, all of that passes it out to the owner and the owners pay tax. So that's usually going to be your individual owner, your corporate owner, your trust owner, whoever is the ultimate tax payer pays the tax on it. Um, historically, the majority of states and localities have followed the federal rules on what you do with a pass-through entity and they say, yep, same deal. You're going to pass your state income tax, expenses, deductions, credits, all of that's going to get passed out and the owner's going to pay state tax. Um, so what these states are doing instead is saying, well, the pass-through entity instead is going to be the taxpayer. Um, and so instead of necessarily passing out all of the income deduction expenses to the owner, and they pay the tax, the pass-through entity itself is going to pay the tax. And this, this kind of, it kind of sounds just like paperwork, not really that big of a deal. Um, but because of that, it allows it to look like a different type of expense, which is what allows it to get outside the $10,000 limit. So treating it like a business entity-level tax gets it outside of the itemized deduction rule. And that's what makes it work. Um, yeah. Most states, have done this as the pass-through entity can elect to do this. Um, so you're not required to do this. It's everyone generally prefers sort of options. Um, some states have made it mandatory. They've kind of cut back on that as they realize that is not always a good idea. Um, but generally, you're given the option as a pass-through entity, your entity can elect into this pass-through entity level tax. Um, pass-through entity pays the tax. They got to come up with the cash to pay the tax. Um, and then how that works with the individual owner, how you ultimately get that benefit kind of depends on the state. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, it's it's a kind of elegant, creative, but kind of simple solution here in a way. So you essentially are um you're lowering the income of the pass-through entity because that pass-through entity now has a new line on its profit, profit and loss statement, and specifically on the, the loss side of it, the expense side of the PL. 
um, you know, in previous years, it would have a, a line for state income tax, and that would be zero because it's a pass-through entity and it doesn't pay state income tax. But now it does have a line there, and the entity is is paying a state income tax, and that has the effect of reducing the the taxable income. But as you kind of alluded to, and thank you for zooming us out there a little bit, Amy. Sometimes I get uh, I, I get so far down into the weeds. It's always nice to to pull out a little bit and remind folks what what certain terms mean. Um, but in, in this case, there's this new line item effectively on the, the income statement. Um, it has an amount in it it didn't previously, and that has the effect of, of lowering the, the taxable income. And that's generally a good, you know, whenever you can lower your, your taxable income, that's generally an effective strategy or an effective workaround. Um, because as you mentioned, that, um, that, that taxable income or the income of this entity, this pass-through entity, passes through and, and goes to the shareholders. Um, so it, it's a it's a pretty elegant solution. Amy Amy and a couple of her colleagues wrote a great blog post on this. Um, we'll make sure that's in the show notes if you uh, if you're kind of more of a, a visual person and want to see some of the examples that that they've laid out here. Um, but but that's kind of at a at a high level of of how it works. Um, so I, so well, yeah. I like the simple solution because it really it really is, and it's almost kind of kind of wild it took so long for everybody to get on board with this because it is not as though there aren't states that have assessed income tax or localities that assess income tax on pass-through entities. Tennessee, great example, yeah. excise tax on, tax on pass-through entity. I'm in the state of Kentucky. We've got a ton of local taxes um, on the pass-through entity, and they don't really care what you are for federal purposes necessarily. So it is something that is not a completely outside-the-box concept, um, it's just the only reason it's happening is to get around the federal <laughs> rule, which, which makes it convoluted. And sometimes. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Um, yeah. Nothing, nothing simple about our income tax system. Right. And it's just getting a, a, another, another twist of the pretzel uh, every year. And um, I, I think it's only likely to probably to, the tax code is probably only getting it longer would be my guess um, and, and more complicated, but um, so we need, need smart minds like Amy here. Um, so, Amy, if I'm, if I'm thinking about this correctly, in order to take advantage of this of this particular workaround, um, you, you need to have a pass-through entity. So, um, an, an LLC or an S corp, I'm guessing, are the the um, the folks who are most able to take advantage of this. Am I thinking about that correctly? Correct. So, most states say you have to have either a partnership or an S corporation. Um, so. Frequently, your your LLCs are partnerships if they have multiple owners. Um, yep. Your S corporations, you know, lots of ways you can end up in an S corporation. Um, but they need to be taxed for federal purposes as an S corporation or a partnership. So that entity is filing an 1120S at the, at the federal level or a 1065. The IRS noticed that blessed this pass-through entity tax and said, well, allow this only references partnerships and as corporations as entities that are eligible to do this. Um, but that is not always the case for every state that it is limited to partnerships and as corporations. Because again, it's a state tax. So the state, you're kind of putting all this into the existing state regime, the existing state taxes. So my state, for example, uh, defines pass-through entities as you know any kind of really LLC partnership S corporations. So now all of a sudden you've got single member LLCs that are not partnerships or S corporations. Um, and they're eligible to make a pass-through entity election. And that creates 
its own kind of problems. <laughs> but most states, I believe, are partnerships as corporations. Those are the most widely uh, safe bets. Yep. So, Amy, I'm guessing that when when folks come to you and they're they're saying, "Hey, I think I might be able to take advantage of this or, or help me take advantage of this," you've got to dive into the the state by state treatment and, and regulation of this. Is is that right? Because it again, I sound like a broken record here, but this is one of those situations where it just varies so much depending on on where you are and what your state legislators have done. Um, is that is that your approach when someone comes to you asking about this? You yeah. have to look at the state, and then you also have to look at every personal tax situation because um, you may have owners that are not eligible to participate mm. or for whatever reason aren't going to be able to realize benefit or because of nuances. For example, in S-corporation rules, you create all kinds of S-corporation problems if you're not careful. So not only do you have to be very sure of what the state in question where you're paying a tax or entity tax, what those rules are, you also need to know the state rules of your owner, um, what their personal tax situation is. Um, and it can get pretty complicated for, you know, you got a lot of owners in different states. It can get pretty complicated um, as to whether or not this is beneficial. So you if you if you approach your tax advisor and just say, is this a benefit to me? And they tell you, yeah, you're going to save, say, $5,000. Um, you either have a very simple, simple entity structure with a very simple one-state operation, or they're lying to you. <laughs> I like that. That's a great point about the, the different owners and um, in different states. I'm in that situation where I've got, I've got business partners who are in different states. So again, it's uh, never, never quite as simple as it seems. Hopefully, we've given folks um, kind of a, a broad understanding of the potential tax savings here, and equip um, them with the, the questions that they can go to Amy or or another uh, tax advisor and and ask about their situation. I mean, let me ask about the the future of this. Is this being sunsetted after twenty twenty five, like a lot of other features of the TCJA, or what is what does the future of this look like? If you can gaze into your crystal ball there. It depends. Um, some states did, I believe, put it, tie their pastor entity tax to the, the federal rule. So that sunsets, theirs is going to sunset. Some of them did not. And hmm. it is, I mean, it's the wild west of tax rules because you, in a relatively short time frame, all these states just came up with a brand new concept. Um, <laughs> and so it's a mixed bag on how they went about doing it. But assuming the the $10,000 limit at the federal level sunsets at the end of 2025, like it is set to do, this pass-through entity tax becomes moot. Like you don't sure. really, assuming all else is the same, you don't have any reason to do it. Uh, you can't really just put this on cruise control for the next 10 years. Got it. Yep. Well, we've still got a, a few years here, at, at least, and this is going to be relevant for, for high earners in those, those high-tax states. So, Amy, last question for you. If folks have been listening to this and they think maybe this applies to me, um, I should reach out to Amy and, and see if she can help me save a little bit of money here. Where can folks go to, to get in touch with you and to learn more about your company? So, um, Amy Sandline, you can find me at LinkedIn, um, Blue and Company, I mean, just Google Blue and Company. Uh, you will find us uh, and you can contact me through the website. Just, you know, click to uh, contact us and they will get you to me. Perfect. And I'll make sure that um, link, links to Amy's LinkedIn, as well as to Blue and Company are in the show notes. That'll be very easy to find for everyone, as well as I'll make sure this uh, this great article that, that she and a couple of her colleagues put together is there as well. Uh, Amy, thanks for coming on. You are a font of knowledge. Appreciate you sharing that with me and the audience today. Yeah, happy to be here. Thank you. 
That's it for today's show. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving us a rating and review on iTunes or Spotify to help spread the word to other investors. And we'll be back soon with another episode.